0: It's lovely to see you. I know you're studying the Sermon on the Mount over this time, and, uh, and obviously that's an incredible text to be studying. And, uh, and you'll think about what it means to be a disciple. So, he, uh, here's the passage, first of all. Um, so, if you're following the, the, the passage Matthew 5, um, the Sermon on the Mount between Matthew 5 and 7. Oh, We are in Matthew 5, verse 17, just for a few verses. And this is Jesus speaking. He says, Do not think that I have come to abolish the law and the prophets. I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfil them. But truly I tell you, until heaven and earth disappear, not the smallest letter, not the least stroke of the pen, will by any means disappear from the law until everything is accomplished. Therefore, anyone who sets aside one of the least of these commands and teaches others accordingly will be called the least in the kingdom of heaven, and whoever practices and teaches these commands will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. For I tell you that your righteousness, unless your righteousness surpasses that of the Pharisees and the teachers of the law, you will certainly not enter the kingdom of heaven. So... We can think about what is a disciple, maybe just for a moment, turn to the person next to you and say, so tell me, what is a disciple? Then we'll have a little bit of feedback, okay? (laughs) Our disciples in the community. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Anything else? Okay, just round the it's good. It's good for people to be brave and shout out. It's good for the So, you can be a Christian, you can be a friend of God, a friend of Jesus, without necessarily being a disciple. Uh, because a disciple is quite a specific intentional thing. So, uh, and what these guys are saying is absolutely true. So uh, I'll try and give you a definition because definitions really help. And definition, uh, really a definition of a disciple is someone who is with Jesus because Jesus went around calling people to him. So they're they're with Jesus. They do what he says. So when Jesus teaches, they're predisposed to say, yeah, I'm going to do that. So, uh, So something like what Jesus teaches Love their enemies. They start to think about their enemies. Think about ways that they can love their enemy. So they do what he says. They do what he does as well, which is Jesus tells people about the kingdom of God, as, as you were saying. You know, tell the good news. You uh, he heal the sick. Cast out demons. Those kinds of things. So you do what Jesus says. You do what he does. And if you are with Jesus and you do what he says and you do what he does, you will inevitably become like him. It just really will happen. And I would be really uh, pleased if you made your life stronger you become more like Jesus in his character, in his power, in his courage, uh, in all the aspects of his life, apart from saving the world, because you can't do be that because he's already done that. But apart from that, you look at Jesus and you think, I want to be with you, I want to do what you say, I want to do what you do. And as I do those three things, I am inevitably going to become like Jesus going to happen. Um, so that is the good news that you can, you can become like Jesus. And so the Sermon on the Mount is the discipleship text. As you read chapters 5 to 7 of Matthew, it tells you what it means to live in the kingdom of God and, and uh, as you follow Jesus and you do the things he says and do the things he does, you start to become like him. And you start it starts to become natural to you as well, which is really crucial. And this particular passage, this little excerpt that we've got today, is a passage that helps us in our relationship with Scripture. Because Scripture is really important to Jesus. And it describes Jesus' relationship with Scripture and how He then lived His life according to Scripture. And that will have some impact for us if we want to do what Jesus says and does. Then Scripture is going to be really important to us as well. Here's a really obvious point to start with. Jesus did not read the New Testament for obvious reasons because it was about him, written later. He did not read the New Testament. So when he talks about the scriptures, although Jesus did, as the eternal word, he did inspire the scriptures. As a human being on the earth, he didn't read it. Jesus' Bible was what we call the Old Testament, the first half and a bit of scripture. Um, the 39 books, which were sometimes called the Law of the Prophets, or sometimes called the Law but also includes wisdom, literature, history, and all kinds of other things. And uh, it's no surprise then that everywhere in the Gospels, when you read the Gospels, the stories of Jesus, that when the writers are describing Jesus' life, it's full of Old Testament stuff. Because it was Jesus' book. So for instance, at Jesus' baptism, the words that God the Father say over Jesus, this is my beloved son, in whom I am well pleased. Those words come out of the Psalms, and they come out of the prophet Isaiah. And when Jesus is in the desert, fighting and, and warding off the devil, he uses words from Deuteronomy, the fourth book of the, in the Old Testament, the scriptures that he knew. Um, the Beatitudes, which I think you may have looked at in the last week or two, blessed the poor and so on, they all reflect um, stuff from the prophet Isaiah and again from the Psalms. And then when you start to think about the titles that Jesus had, or that were given to him, or that he took upon himself, like Messiah, or Christ, or Anointed One, or Son of Man, they all come from the Old Testament as well. They they come from uh, the kings, particularly King David, and Daniel chapter 7. So, it's so crucially important to him that he knew the scriptures, and his life sort of emerged from the scriptures of the Old Testament. And even uh, the most you know the most vital part of Jesus' work on earth, his death on the cross, which achieved forgiveness of sins for us, that only really makes sense when you know about the sacrificial system in the Old Testament, so that Jesus' once-for-all sacrifice has meaning for us. It's the culmination and the finish point of the sacrificial system. So, in this little passage that I was you, He's saying he's not abolishing the law and the prophets. There must have been some question at the time that Jesus might be doing away with all that old stuff from those old stories. He's not abolishing it. But he's endorsing it completely and in fact not only endorsing it, he's fulfilling it. He's saying this all points to me. This is all about me. I am the completion and the fulfilment of it. And he is living out of all those Old Testament stories. So if we, we as followers of Jesus and would-be disciples of Jesus, ignore the Old Testament, that we just do not read it, it's too hard, it's too long, it's too dull, whatever, then uh, we are not doing what Jesus did. And so I do want to encourage you, if uh, that's been your practice, to change that practice and start to think about the scriptures, the law, the prophets. It can be a temptation just to leave that bit behind because it's hard. But hard things are often good. So here's just very briefly one or two ways in which we can look at the Old Testament which may be of help to you. The first way to look at the Old Testament is is that it is the story of God and his people. So the story right from the beginning of the world, the creation, the fall of human beings away from God, the flood, Abraham, Isaac and Jacob and the people of God starting to form uh, and all their descendants and so on. The Exodus, we just sang about that, you know, you split the sea, anyone know what sea we're talking about there? Because it's an illusion <laughs> The Red Sea, yeah. Moses of the Red Sea, is that the same as the Red Sea? probably is, yeah. It, rhymes, it? Um, And, you know, being set out into the wilderness for 40 years, they get into the Promised Land, then you have uh, all the kings exiled into Babylon, and return from Babylon. It's an incredible story. An incredible story of ups and downs and the people of God trying their best and sometimes trying their worst to follow the God that they know. And Jesus only makes sense, his story only makes sense in the light of that story. So if you only read the New Testament or if you only sing songs about Jesus and don't really engage with the Old Testament, you won't really know what Jesus is about because he emerges from that story or from the scriptures that he loves so much. Jesus, when he was born, entered into a very particular place and history with um, a very long story going back, basically, to the creation of the world. And so it's, a, it's a story about the lord a story about sacrifice, and a story about a knowing for a Messiah. And as Jesus grows up, he realises, yeah, I am the one that the scriptures are talking about. And once you get to the New Testament, when we've been looking at Matthew, Matthew, uh, right at the beginning, the first thing that happens in Matthew's Gospel is he gives the genealogy from Adam, by the creation of the world, all the way through to Jesus because it's important that Matthew situates Jesus in the old story that has come before him. Uh, So you you get all the names going down all the way to Jesus. And uh, what Matthew is saying is Jesus completes this. Jesus is the fulfillment of this previous story, this first part of the play, if you like. Jesus only really understands who he is and what his father was calling him to do because he is absolutely soaked and marinated in the Old Testament. He knows it through and through. like a good Jewish boy and probably a rabbi, he would have memorized massive tracts of the Old Testament. So it would be part of it. You know, if you memorize something, some song lyrics or poetry I don't know, or what, you know. But if it's in your memory, it really becomes part of you. And that story will become part of Jesus. So that's one way to look at the Old Testament, the story of God leading up to jesus another way of doing it and and again you can really see this in matthew's gospel which you're studying is that uh, jesus not only is fulfillment of history but as the fulfillment of prophetic promise all these all these prophets in the old testament are looking forward to something and someone coming who is going to uh, be absolutely pivotal for the whole of of humankind and so like for instance, uh, a Christmas we were celebrating Jesus' birth, and you can read about that in Matthew chapter 1. And Matthew, you know, he's always saying, here were whole loads of prophetic words in the Old Testament. And Jesus fulfills them all. So here's just one where he says, All this took, took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken through the prophet Isaiah hundreds of years ago. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call him Emmanuel. You might have heard that at Christmas time,
1: but also lots
0: of different parts of Jesus' life, where he was born in Bethlehem, Herod killing all the other twos uh, in Bethlehem, uh, Jesus growing up in Nazareth, Jesus the beginning of Jesus' ministry, his miracles and his healings, his betrayal and suffering and death, and his crucifixion specifically between two thieves, uh, pouring out the Spirit, a whole bunch of other things. These were all. Fulfillment of prophecy in the Old Testament. The people look forward, and they and they, and uh, and then when they saw Jesus' life and they reflected on Jesus' Jesus' life, they put two and two together. And they saw the prophecies in the Old and they saw the story of Jesus in the New. And in fact, uh, someone's counted up the number of prophecies that Jesus fulfilled in His life, and it comes to over three hundred from the Old Testament. So, so it's the fulfillment of the prophetic promise. And one other way I'll just talk, talk about it because Jesus specifically talks about it in this passage. In the Sermon on the Mount, it shows that Jesus fulfills the Old Testament by revealing the depth and the meaning and the richness of Old Testament law. So Old Testament law was given by God and uh, it told people how to live. The law showed how to live a life in response to gratitude to God. So the highest expression of the law is the Ten Commandments, starting with don't have any gods before me and ending up with no murder, no no adultery, no cover, and that kind of thing. And those law, the law was supposed to protect us from harm, was supposed to help us prosper and help us to reflect God's nature, so that as you lived according to the law, other people could see what God was like. And until the coming of Jesus, who is the greatest gift from God, the law is the most treasured possession the most treasured gift that God had given human beings showed show people how to live. It was a beautiful expression of the beautiful mind of God about uh, how to live your life. And uh, if you remember in the New Testament the very earnest young man comes to Jesus uh, and he wants to learn what he should do to achieve eternal life. And essentially Jesus says to him, keep the law. keep the law. do what's right. And uh, as Jesus says in the passage just here, those who keep God's law are seen as the greatest in the kingdom of God. But the trouble is, and you may have tried this, it's impossible to keep the law, to do what God wants, by, by simply trying to keep the law. That was the Pharisees' mistake. They just tried harder, they added more laws, added more rules, uh, and that just weighed people down. In the end, you do what God wants and you, you, you keep the law, By becoming the kind of person who keeps the law naturally. So you get internal change, which then um, changes your actions. And for that, you need the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit working in your life. And you become the kind of person for whom it becomes easy. So it becomes easy to love your enemies because that's what's inside you. Rather than just really trying hard and trying to be, trying to. to it through action rather, rather than through heart change. So you keep the Lord, Jesus says, through attending to your inner life, and your mind and your motives. So Jesus doesn't abolish the law. he says it's good, but it's been found impossible to live by without the Holy Spirit. So this is how your righteousness and my righteousness should surpass and the Pharisees, that's the last bit of the passage he says your righteousness, your goodness, the way you live your life should surpass that of the Pharisees and they were doing their best and trying their hardest to live by the Lord and what, what that means is, is simply don't try hard to be good but become the kind of person through the Holy Spirit's help who just does good naturally it goes beyond, it goes beyond the external to what's inside now, I'm coming into land, but I just wanted to make one brief additional point because I just have a sense this is for one person in the room tonight, so it's a, it's a point that I remember Nicky up making, and he said this, Jesus Christ summarised the law, all the law, as love God and love your neighbour. Do you remember that? That's, that's how he summarised the law, that's how, he, you know, it all comes under that heading. And we need that summary to keep us from legalism, like the Pharisees, like just having loads and loads of rules and just trying to try. We need that, because it is about simply loving God and loving our neighbour. On the other hand, we also need the detailed breakdown of the law, what all the ethical commands of God are. Because that keeps us from sentimentality. So, having the headline keeps us from legalism. Having all the details keeps us from sentimentality. So it's no good thinking that adultery is loving your neighbor because the law specifically forbids it in its details. You see what I'm saying? So I think that might be for one or two people. So to sum up, Jesus fulfills history, prophetic promise, and the law. And so for us, aiming to be disciples of Jesus, people who like Jesus, love the New New Testament, love the Old Testament and also because there are stories about Jesus in the New Testament What does it mean? Two things The first thing I really want to encourage you to do is to read the whole Bible Read the whole Bible Because we can, you know, uh, know, And I, for years also, feel like you can get away with your favourite little bits uh, Bits in the New Testament One or two cracking stories from the old But basically, uh, you know, you can get by on quite a slim diet But God's thing is the gift of the scriptures, all the scriptures, and uh, when you learn to read it daily, make your way through the Bible. I know some people do the Bible in a year or whatever. You come across questions that you wouldn't necessarily have uh, really looked at, uh, and ones that God challenges you with, and uh, that is really important. That's really important in Christian life. The other thing is simply to be filled with the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit is the Spirit's book he, he wrote the scriptures and as you read them the Holy Spirit's in you He helps you read the scriptures and illuminate the scriptures and understand what God is saying to you and he, he helps you then fulfill what the scriptures are saying to live according to the way of God wants uh, because He gives you the power to do so The prophets of the Old Testament anticipated the day in the future where one day the law wouldn't be written down, but it'd be written on our hearts, it'd be internal. And that's what Jesus and the Spirit have come to do and empower us to live our lives. So, how are we doing with time? Is that enough? That's quite dense. It was quite a dense passage given to me. So uh, uh, but I think it's uh, it's a crucial passage, and if you will take hold of it. Jesus loved the Old Testament and grasp the Bible as a whole, and seek the Holy Spirit's help, you will flourish. You will inevitably flourish as a disciple of Jesus. I just think the Holy Spirit wants to do two or three particular things, like anoint some people around the Scriptures. Um, and to do that, I think it would be very helpful if we just clear the chairs. Is so that okay, I'll just pile them up, and then just gather around here, we just gonna- quelli che fai quando